Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Wow. Well, thank you so much, guys. It's, um, it, is, uh, it is just a huge honor to be here. Um, I, I, I'm from a I'm from, we're, we're from Whangarei, it's a small town, you know. I grew up in Auckland, but we live in Whangarei now. And, um, and uh, I, I believe that in the kingdom, this is something that's true. In the kingdom, small is the new big. Like God actually has a habit of hiding in small places. You, you have a look through revival history and see if you don't come to the same conclusion. You have a look through revival history and see if you don't come to the same conclusion. God is for always hiding in small, out-of-the-way places. He, he, he always gives birth to things from small, out-of-the-way places that other people might deem as insignificant and pass over, but He always hides in those places. And, and He hides in the, in, the, in the least obvious. He hides in people like David. You know, the son that, Je- that his dad, out of eight sons, you know, Jesse, um, you know, got a t-shirt? I've got a small t-shirt. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, is there a bit of something on my face or something? Or? Oh, share a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I was like, you've got a little bit of something on your face, or is there snot, some snot on your cheek, or like, you know, what's going on? I'm like, what's going on? Something on my face. <laughs> I can't remember what I was saying now. It was, uh, yeah, David was the eighth son, and Je- Jesse's dad didn't even bother going to get him because he was, it was like, yeah, it could be any one of the other seven, but definitely not David. David's just a shepherd boy. He always hides in the least obvious places. And, um, and you, might, you might feel like that. You might feel like out of the way. You might feel like you're all the way in Rangiora. You might feel like this small group of people and what's your significance? What's your purpose? Who are you? But I tell you what, man, you are right on God's radar. You are right in the eyeball of God, right in the center of His attention. And you might be in this room and you might be feeling, well, what's my place here amongst that? You as an individual in this place, are right in the center of God's attention. Yeah. I just wanted to ahi what he was saying, because this whole weekend I've been on my knees crying because God loves this place so much, that you're actually so, so special to him. There's something significant about who you are. And um, ora, rangi ora, the second part of your name is light or life and the rangi is actually sky so you are a place a heavenly space of light and life and rangi order itself is a tree so you are planted in the right place you are a mighty tree that brings the heavens that brings light and life. And God thinks you're so special that I can't stop crying because his love is overwhelming for who you guys are. And I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah. Yeah, there's, 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 uh, there's just there's too much to encourage you guys about, by the way. You just, um, yeah, you, yeah, you're amazing. Um, 
and Glenn and Deb, you guys are amazing leaders. And uh, it's just such an honor to meet such genuine, authentic uh, leaders. Gen- you know, there's no, there's, you're not behind a mask. So many leaders live behind a mask. You, you are just you, and you're leading so well, and you're doing such a good job. And you've walked through the fire, you've walked through trials, but you're doing such a good job. And, and one of the main telltales of that is I look at your people Look at your teams. Look at the way that people honor and respect who you guys are. Look at your own children. And it's just beautiful and amazing. And so um, thank you for relentlessly and fiercely being yourselves. Thank you for leading well. And church, thank you for supporting them and, and, and being led well. And being led well. So um, it's, it's an honor to be here. Um, it, just, it actually turns out I... I I uh, promised Connor and Emma Seed that I would pass on their hello. I did it in the first service. I'll do it again now. Connor and Emma Seed, who you may know, uh, who are now currently part of our church, they say hi, and they're gutted that they're not here. Actually, Connor right now is preaching at our church. And um, so that's pretty cool. I was just watching him in between the services, um, making some cheeky comments on the Facebook Live thing for him. And um, and so... uh, yeah, I want to just say, I've got a couple of words. I'm going to pray for a few people. I've got something that I want to say first, and then I have a word that is attached to something that I mentioned at the conference, and then we'll pray for some more people. So that's kind of the arrangement of the morning, if it all goes according to plan. And, um, and I have 24 minutes and 53 seconds to do that. So um, the first thing I want to say is this. Last night and during the conference, many of you received... Uh, breakthrough, you had experiences, you received impartation, there's fresh grace that was given to you during the conference. And, and that is because God is setting you up and preparing you to step into something new, to step into something fresh, to step into a new season as a community of people. And there are many elements to that season that you're stepping into. And I'm going to share about one of those elements this morning. But what I want to encourage you with is that, you know, last night, I I've just felt and I know you guys felt it too, but I felt like I just, I could feel the hunger for the supernatural in this room. And God doesn't give you a hunger for something He doesn't intend for you to walk in. And I felt that part of my role and part of our role in coming here was to, to encourage that, to stir that up, to pour gasoline on that flame and to release an impartation of grace to, to, to take what, what God has put in my life and in our lives to actually take that and just, just get and just release, freely release it. Freely received, freely release to release it to you guys. Now, in my life, I received that grace as a seed, and, and, it's, and I have been very intentional to steward that until it's become a tree, so now I actually have something to give. But when you're in the kingdom, and when you receive grace from the Lord, promises, prophecies, things like that, those promises, those prophecies, like everything that God does, comes small and it's given to you as a seed, and heaven expects you to steward the seed until it becomes something that bears fruit. And seeds don't always bear fruit the day they're planted. And different seeds bear fruit at different speeds. Some take years, some take minutes. I mean, not many take minutes, but, um, but there's, there's a process and there's a time and there's a process for you to work out the promise that you received during the conference. And honestly, I just want to be honest and vulnerable with you for a moment, is that I release this stuff all over the world. And... 
And I have, uh, and I count it an honor and a privilege and to be invited anywhere, to be invited anywhere to do anything. <laughs> but I've been given this honor of being able to get, being able to pray for people and release this impartation to people and, and what God has done in my life to release that to others. There are very few communities of people or individuals who are willing to actually steward that into something. I can count, there's a handful. There's a handful that actually steward it. And if you read through the letters of Paul, you'll see the same was true of his life. Like the, there's lots of things started off with a, with, a, with a bang, with a roar and with a flame and with a fire. But not many of those fires carried on to become an inferno. And at the end of his life, there were just a few people that he could really count on that were really still with him. And, um, and it's, it's, it's an interesting fact. It's an interesting observation. But I just want to encourage you with all of my heart that like the, the, the promises, the impartation, the grace that you received over the conference, you know, that's not going to, going to be outworked without a little bit of opposition. You are going to be tempted at some points to, to, um, to let go of hope or to become disappointed. Disappointment is just the distance that you experience and you feel when there is space between you and where you've been appointed to be. And in those moments where you feel tempted to surrender your hope or you feel tempted to embrace disappointment, it's important for you to hold fast to the hope that God gave you at the conference during the time that you received the grace and to walk that out step by step. And that if you pray for someone and they don't get healed, don't let that be a sign that, oh, no, healing ministry is not for me. Like, actually just keep on going. I know, like, Randy Clark, who has a massive healing ministry, he prayed for thousands of people before he saw his first miracle. And I just want to encourage you, like, go out. I could tell you thousands of stories of people who didn't get healed. I've mainly just talked about stories of people who did because they're more fun to talk about. <laughs> you know, but I could tell you just as many of people who haven't got healed, and you have to embrace it if you're going to go after this. You have to just deal with it. You have to just be like, okay, sometimes you go, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you go back home and you and you weep over the ones that didn't get healed. And you feel those emotions and you go through that stuff. But this is worth fighting for because this is the lifestyle Jesus left for us as a pattern for us to follow. And so I just want to encourage you with that. Um um, is, is, is Mitch here? Another out the backer. I love it. I'm getting all the guys from out the back. This morning, uh, the person I prophesied over was also out the back. And so, hey, Mitch, I just wanted to prophesy over you. I've got a word for you. And um, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can come right on up. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah, just hold, just hold your hands out and just receive this. If, if you would like to receive it, <laughs> is um, I, I, just, um, I just felt like I looked at you and I just was overwhelmed. I was like just thinking, man, what a, what a shining one. What a shiny one. Like what a one who has arisen and shone the light, of, the light of the glory of God. You are just shining in who God's called you to be and created you to be, designed you to be, and you're, you're, you're generously contributing your gift and your life to the table of the Lord. And it's just so powerful and so amazing to see. And I was asking the Lord about you and he said, you know, Mitch is like an architect. 
architect. I have given him an architectural anointing to pull things together and pull people together and pull plans together and pull strategy together. And there's a wisdom and there's a capacity to bring alignment uh, in, in, the, in the sphere and the realm of the prophetic that is over Mitch. And I see, and then I saw you um, become a composer of an orchestra. And I saw that you were a composer um, that was, you were waving your hand around, but the stick wasn't in your hand. And then God gave you the stick. And it was like Moses' staff, but it was a composer's stick. And it was like the rod of, Mo, you know, Moses had a rod. And then there was a point where, where Moses had a rod. It was Moses' rod. It was Moses' rod. It was Moses' rod. And then there was a moment where it became God's rod. And it was always God's rod. But Moses went through a process where he realized, man, I'm holding something that isn't mine. And when he realized that he was holding something that wasn't his, everything increased in the most dramatic way. And I just, there is an authority that's in your hands that isn't yours, but it is yours. It's been entrusted to you. And it's the authority to compose and pull things together, pull people together, and pull colors together in the creative and in that space of um, not just people, but also creative disciplines to pull them together. And I see like, Something that you're called to do is to take the church from black and white into full color. To take the church from black and white into full color. And black and white has been beautiful and has been amazing. It's been an incredible season, but the church is coming into a full color expression. And you have an anointing to pull the colors in, to bring it into a full color expression. And some people are going to wonder like, man, we were doing okay with the black and white. What's wrong with the black and white? And you're going to be like, yeah, nothing's wrong with the black and white, but we can have color. There's no criticism, but we can have color. And then I was, um, hey, your, your son, he was the one that was holding onto your leg over there. Yeah, I, I, um, I was hanging out. He came up to me just before and he came up with it and he was like, hey, I've got a uh, magnifying glass. And he was like, man, this thing makes my hand bigger. And then he was like pointing at his foot, oh, man, my foot just got bigger. And he was like, you're bigger. And, um, and, I, and I felt like there's this grace, like the next generation, like your son, is going to walk in a magnification of what you deposit and the way you walk. Your son is going to walk in a magnified and a magnified level to that. And you're going to there is a grace on you and there is a determination in your heart to pass on what you have and what you carry to the next generation. So I just bless you in the name of Jesus right now. And I release that word. Holy Spirit, just seal it in Jesus' name. I release that rod into his hand right now. Shoo. Amen. <laughs> wow, you can just stay and receive, and Glenn's behind you, so it's good. Um, uh, also, there was a, um, yes, um, the train station cafe singer. Yes, the train station cafe singer. I just, um, I have a word for you. I've also been um, noticing you. And, um, and I've been wondering, why have I been noticing you? You know, because I notice, I, I see everyone, but I just was like, there's something, there's like a highlighter over you. And I, and I feel like, um, like God wanted you, uh, like, like that was actually God. Like God was noticing you amongst the crowd. And I saw this big crowd of people and you were in the crowd and you were like, man, I know this crowd is so special to God. And I know that I'm part of the crowd that's special to God, but I want to know if I'm special to God in the crowd. And does he see me in the crowd? And then I saw him, he was like, 
he was like motioning you and he said, come, come, come up here. And he put you on his knee and he goes, I want to show you something. And he opened up the palm of his hand and in the palm of his hand, you were tattooed onto the palm of his hand. He wasn't holding a picture of you. He was like, it's not enough to hold a picture of you. I tattooed, I, I did a photographic tattoo of who you are. You are on my hand. And every time I open my hand, there you are. And there's this process that you're about to go into and that you're stepping into right now where God is calling you to do things and to hold his hand and to be his hand in the world around you. And in your doing, you are going to discover your being. A lot of people say, discover your being and out of your being, do your doing. But in your doing, you are discovering your being. And God has taken you through this process of really discovering who you really are. And then I saw you on his knee and I saw him open up his hand and I saw you like, oh, oh, oh. Just, and it was like God wanted you to know you're just so special to him. And then he picked you up and he grabbed you by the hands and you started just dancing and you were dancing and you were dancing and then you were dancing and then you jumped up on the table and you were dancing and people started looking at you and, and, and you were like, you were, I, I saw in your heart, you were like, man, how come I'm not freaking out that everyone's looking at me? But I just don't care. I just honestly just don't care. And you were just like freely just dancing and dancing and people were looking and they were like what are you dancing on the table for but you were just like ha, who cares and you were just dancing on the table and there was and there was joy just um erupting like a fountain just flowing like you know when a when a um now I'm 100% not calling you a dog okay but you know when a you know when a dog shakes and all the water comes off that like when you were dancing joy was was flicking off you and just touching people and there was joy and there was joy and there was joy and there was joy and God wanted you to know that that the joy of the Lord is your strength and you are his delight you are his joy you are at the at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore and you have been seated in Christ at the right hand of God you are the pleasures forevermore at the right hand of God you have been given that seat and he looks at you and he says you are my delight and as you realize that I just see you I see you dancing it and moving it you are moving you are physically moving, you are dancing and moving, and your movement is expressing joy and giving people joy. And so I bless you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. 12 minutes. There's more there. I just don't know if I can do it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a long walk home, but. <laughs> It's a short swim and a bit of a walk. It's uh, um, okay, man. Well, no, this is going to be good. We're going to be good. We're going to be good. Okay, all right, all right. We'll get through this. They'll be good. They'll be good. So I, uh, I mentioned. So I've, I've got a word I want to share. I'm, I'm going to share it in a short fashion. I've got a word that I want to share, uh, that I feel to share, that I don't share ever. I've shared it two places, well, three now. I've shared it at our church. I've shared it at another church in Christchurch, and I shared it this morning at the first service. I'm going to share it again now. And it's it's really, the reason I want to share this word is because it's something that I feel like God um, God showed me during the conference. And He started to show me that you've gone through, uh, we've had just, the 10-year anniversary of the first earthquake, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and there's been a shaking that is revealed of something that cannot be shaken. Whenever you go through a trial, it goes, you know, it's like when you go through a pruning, you lose everything that can be lost, and what can't be lost remains. You, you, everything was shaken that could be shaken, but there's a kingdom that can't be shaken, and that has remained. 
And we're about to step into it. You as a region are about to step into a new decade. And in this new decade, it's not a shaking, but it's a springing up. And there's a springing up of new life, a springing up of new wells, a springing up of, of new anointing, of a flow of the Spirit. And it's just amazing and beautiful. And I, and I felt strongly from the Lord that, yes, He does hide in small, out-of-the-way places, and there is a prophetic mantle that is on you guys, not just the individual prophets who are in this place, but there's a prophetic mantle that whether you are a prophet or not, you are called to carry as a community. There is a prophetic mantle that you're carrying of the Word of the Lord, and I see it being expressed from this community in, in a way where the prophetic has not been expressed, uh, at least not much, hasn't been expressed in this way. It's a unique way of expressing the prophetic. And I saw God taking that prophetic and putting it on a creative mantle, on a creative flow, and I saw creativity incarnating and wrapping um, tangibility around the promises and the prophetic substance of God. I saw, I saw painters um, making marks and painting colors that make the invisible Word of God visible. I saw architects designing buildings. I saw business people creating business. I saw, I saw parents parenting in a way that, that fleshed out and incarnated the Word of God, the prophetic unction, the substance of the Spirit of God in their parenting in a way where the rest of the nation, the rest of the world and the church began to look at you and say, wow, this is so beautiful. And not just beautiful, it's tangible. We can see it. We can taste it. We can touch it. It's amazing. We can relate to it. It opens something up to us. And so I want to speak something around um, uh, what I want to share is really to encourage that and to give some wisdom and to give some um, maybe even a first step towards seeing that um, outworked. So here we go. Uh, at the start of this year, God's, I said to God, God, what is this year all about for me? And God said to me, this year, uh, amongst a few other things, he said, this year, I don't want you just to be wise. I don't want you just to, just to know about wisdom. I want you to meet wisdom. I'm, I'm going to introduce you to wisdom, to the spirit of wisdom. I want wisdom to become your friend. I want you to begin to walk hand in hand with wisdom as a, in, a, in a friendship. I want you to begin a friendship, a day-to-day, week-to-week, minute-by-minute friendship with wisdom. And I want you to begin to relate to wisdom as a friend. And so I w I've been on this journey of getting to know wisdom, of being introduced to wisdom, and, um, and I have begun to experience some of the fruits of getting to know wisdom. And it's been amazing, and I want to share some of that with you guys. What I've noticed is that wisdom, I, like, I do a little bit of diving. I like diving. And I love anything ocean. I love anything water. I love surfing, fishing, diving, boating. Anything ocean is cool for me. Um, and it's always fascinating to be under the water and to realize that the water, the ocean, is actually a whole kingdom in and of itself. It's a, it's a whole other world within our world. It's a whole other world within our world. And if you dive under the ocean and you don't have goggles, you can, you can kind of make out shapes, you can make out um, things under the ocean, but it's beautiful and it's amazing, but you can't quite engage with it to the degree that you want to engage with it because you can't see. Has anyone ever done that before when you've been swimming around under the ocean? I remember doing it on the West Coast up in Ahipara and I was crayfish diving and I remember thinking, like people have told me shark stories. Honestly, everything looked like a shark. 
It didn't matter what it was, a shape in the water, just every shape in the water looks like a shark. Even like a little sprat still looks like a shark because it's all distorted and there's no clarity, there's no definition because you don't have your goggles on. But when you put your goggles on and you dive under the water, you start to be able to see everything in definition, everything is sharp, everything is in focus, and it's beautiful and you can begin to engage with the world that's under the surface of the water. You know, there is a spiritual dimension, there is a spirit world from which this world came into existence from, and that spirit world is with us in this world that we're in. Just like the ocean is also in this world. There is a spirit realm that we can explore, and wisdom is the goggles through which we can explore that world. Without wisdom, we are like a person diving under the ocean, trying to look at shapes and look at them, trying to make things out, but not really being able to actually see what's there. When you can't see what's there, you can't engage with what's there. When you can't engage with what's there, you can't make the most of what God has given you to make the most of. And so I believe that what God is wanting to do is He's wanting to give eyes to see in the Spirit. Wisdom is eyes to see in the Spirit. And that's what I want to impart to you. And that's what I believe God wants to give you and upgrade for you this morning. And so um, let me just read a couple of scriptures, and then I'm going to share a little bit more of my story. Proverbs 3, this is Solomon talking about wisdom, the man of wisdom talking about wisdom. And I want you just to take note of what he's saying here, because it's pretty cool. How blessed, how many people like joy? Well, blessed just, that word blessed just means like lots of joy. (laughs) Lots and lots and lots of joy massively happy. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit, by the way, it's interesting that it's her. Just a side note. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire, nothing you desire, whether you know this or not is another is another question. But I want to tell you this, nothing that you currently desire compares to her. That's cool. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. Selah. Who wants wisdom? (laughs) Come on. I mean, if, if you didn't quite catch that, read it again. It's Proverbs 3. Read it 10 times until you, and meditate on all the different aspects and all the different benefits of wisdom and then come back and, 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 and say, hey, you know, do you want wisdom? Man, you want wisdom. You, I, I want to let you know, first of all, this is what you want. Whether you knew it or not, this is what you want. You know, wisdom is not a secondary uh, peripheral tool. Wisdom is a, one of the primary tools of every kingdom person. If you're a builder, you have a whole range of tools, and some of those tools are peripheral tools, tools you don't use every day. A hammer is not a peripheral tool. A hammer is one of the central primary tools of a builder, right? If you go to work as a builder and you forget your hammer, that's a bad day at work. Wisdom is the hammer. Wisdom is a hammer. All right, now here's Proverbs 8. This is a scripture that Solomon also wrote, but this is a scripture that where wisdom talks about herself. It's honestly, Proverbs 8 just is just one of the coolest chapters in the whole Bible. Wisdom is literally speaking about herself. So let's read this. 
You guys all right? The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His way, before His works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no uh, fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. Well, as yet... He had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. You know, wisdom is giving the account of creation, the account of the creation of the earth, the creation of the cosmos, the creation of the world. And wisdom says, I was beside the creator as his master craftsman. I was daily his delight and my delight was with the sons of men. That's awesome. God spoke to me from that scripture and said, where everywhere you see people engaging in their creativity, you will see wisdom. Because wisdom is the dance partner of creativity. Wisdom and creativity are two sides of the same coin. You can't have creativity without wisdom being right there by the side. And you can't have wisdom without there being a creative expression of that wisdom. Creativity and wisdom always go together. If you want to receive more wisdom, engage in more creativity. And if you've believed the lie that you're not creative, I just want to let you know you were, you were created in the image of a creative God. You are creative. You probably just haven't discovered what your particular creative flow or expression is yet, what your creative gifting is yet, but it's in there waiting to be unearthed. It's in there waiting to be discovered. It's in there. And wisdom is knocking at your door this morning saying, hey, let me open the door to you and show you what's on the inside of you to be released because you have something to express into the world that is creative of my nature. You might not be an artist. You might not be a dancer. You might not be a musician. You might be a business person. You might be a parent. You might be um, a forestry worker. You, I mean, I don't know what it is that is your creative expression, but there are, there are billions, just the same way as there are billions of different colors, there are billions of different forms and outlets of creativity. And you 100% have got a whole bunch of them on the inside of you as an individual. And they are banging on the door from the inside out saying, let me out, let me out, let me out. They want out. And wisdom is banging from the other side of the door and saying, let them out, let them out, let them out. (laughs) Um, I was... um, uh, It was about 18 months ago. I was in this spot where... Um, everything in my life was kind of going pretty well. I could look at all the different aspects of my life and say, everything's going good or everything's making good progress. Still there's room for more, but everything's kind of seems to be going okay. And, um, and ministry's going good, family's going good, finances going good. Everything's kind of going good, everything's well. But I was like, God, I feel this dullness. Like, I, I can't put my finger on why I feel like this because everything seems to be going well, but still inside I feel dull. Like, there's like a... Hmm. Hmm. that kind of feeling. I don't know if anyone's ever felt that feeling or if it's just me that's felt that feeling, but it's just like a, hmm. like the colors faded. Hmm. 
And I was like, what is that? How come I feel like that? What is this? And Renee knows about it. She's, she was in the process. She was like, Matt, you know, there. <laughs> and you should, don't feel like that. And, um, and, and God said to me in that process, he said to me, Matt, I want to share something with you. He said, Matt, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. I said, I love that scripture, God. I want to draw near to you. And he said, this is how I want you to draw near to me. I literally want you to draw pictures. I want you to get your pencil. I want you to get your pen. I want you to start drawing again. Now, my background is I am an artist. I've always been an artist. From when I was five years old, I've loved art. I, I've, uh, I, I've, I've always been fascinated in painting. I just love it. I love it. I, I really, that's my creative flow. Now, I'm sharing my specific example with you. Your strategy is probably not draw near to the Lord and He'll draw near to you, as in draw a picture. That's probably, maybe for some of you it is, but for many of you that won't be your way. For me that was my way because that's my unique, specific, creative expression is I love visual art. And I had put that down and I had not engaged with that for years for whatever reason. There's many reasons for that. But I just got busy and I had put down my pen, put down my paintbrush, and I hadn't painted a picture. I hadn't drawn a picture for a long time. And God said to me, if you will just draw pictures, if you will start drawing again, I will draw near to you in the pictures. I'll draw near to you as you engage and re-engage in that creative process. And here's what I noticed happening. First thing I noticed happening is that as I was drawing, I started to notice that the dullness started to lift. That, the, that I felt color start to come back into my life. And I started to realize, man, this has always felt like such a side thing, like such a peripheral thing, like such an over there thing. And all these things that I'm doing, right, these are the important things, and that is unimportant. It's just drawing a picture. Who cares about that? There are important things to do. There are people to love on. There are miracles to happen. There's revival. And that's just over there somewhere. But I had surrendered that at the expense of the color of my life. And as I picked, I felt color come back in. And as I was on the journey, God led me to watch a Netflix documentary that's called The Creative Brain, where a guy who is a non-Christian um, neuroscientist has spent his life, his professional life, studying the effects of creativity on the brain. And in that, he goes through and he basically just regurgitates what Proverbs 3 summarizes. And he just, he just confirms Proverbs 3, basically, is what he does. But what it says is his conclusion is this, or one of his conclusions is this, is that 90 to 100% of, of the anxiety and depression in the world today is due to a disengagement from creativity. Is that when people disengage from their creativity, something disconnects in their brain, which causes the chemicals that they need to be happy and feel alive and feel inspired and feel fulfilled, that the brain actually doesn't work properly. But when they re-engage in their creativity and rediscover what their creative flow is, that thing in their brain comes alive again and life starts to flow again. And I was like, man, it feels like you just literally did a whole documentary on Proverbs 3. You could just get that from the Bible. It's so cool that science is caught up with the Bible. It's so rad. The other thing I noticed is this, is that areas where I was needing wisdom, it's funny because you can... You can be thinking about something that you need wisdom for, and you can, be, you can be tempted to go, like, I need to press into that. And maybe there is time to do that, to actually press into that specifically. But I noticed for me that I often wouldn't get the wisdom I needed when I would press directly into the need itself. But when I would just put that on the shelf over there and pick up my pen and start drawing, 
And it wouldn't matter what I was drawing. I could draw a picture of a cow in a field. It, does, it wouldn't matter what I was drawing, but the actual act and process of creating attracted a spirit of wisdom. Because every time you engage in your creativity, wisdom is attracted to you. It comes over you and around you and the goggles come on your eyes. And you begin to be able to see what you were looking for so hard without the goggles on and everything looked like a shark and nothing made sense. And you were like, wow, I just can't see what's going on. When you put the goggles on, engage in the creative process, you begin to be able to see again. And I noticed that wisdom would come around me for things that I wasn't even necessarily thinking about when I was drawing. I just gave myself space to create. And in the creating, wisdom came for things completely unrelated to what I was drawing about. Listen to this. This is, I'm going to finish on this verse and then we're going to pray. This is Zechariah chapter 1. And this, I believe, is for you. This, I believe, is for you. This, I believe, is for you as a community. And this also, I believe, is for you as an individual. My cities shall again spread out through prosperity. The Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Christchurch. <laughs> it says Jerusalem, but I've just put Christchurch in there. <clears throat> then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were four horns. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these? So he answered me, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. And I said, what are these coming to do? And he said, these are the horns that have scattered Judah so that no one could lift up his head. But the craftsmen are coming to terrify them, to cast out the horns from the nations that lifted up their horn against the land of Judah to scatter it. Here's the situation. Four horns. This is, I'm giving you a strategy for one of the greatest biblical strategies for spiritual warfare is what I'm talking about right now. This is not just casting out a little devil. This is dethroning principalities and powers. When it talks about four horns, it's talking about the principalities and powers that oppress and dull people. They keep their heads down. What is heads down? It means I'm walking around, I'm lacking hope, I'm lacking expectation, uh, I'm lacking inspiration, I'm lacking vision, I'm lacking dream, I'm just, uh, cups half empty, I'm feeling dull, there's a dullness. There is a dullness over the people of the earth right now because there are four horns oppressing the people, keeping their heads down so that they can't see. What is head down? Head down is I can't see. Head down is I don't have my goggles. Head down is everything looks like a shark. Even beautiful snapper and kingfish, they just all look like sharks. Everything's scary. Nothing makes sense because I don't have my goggles on. What does God do as a solution to the powers and principalities that oppress nations, entire nations? It doesn't say He raises up revival ministries. It doesn't say He raises up preachers of the gospel. It doesn't even say He raises up uh, prophets. It says He raises up craftsmen. He raises up creative people that have honed and have developed their skill. He raises up the creatives. Why? So that they can express their creativity, so they can express the Word and the proclamations of the promises of God through their creative flow. And what is the result of that? The result of that is that the powers and principalities are terrified. And they are scattered. They are dethroned over the nations. This is what God is doing in this place. He is raising up craftsmen. 
He is raising up a craftsman culture, not just individual craftsmen, but a culture of craftsmanship from this place, a culture of creativity from that place. Not just a culture of worldly creativity, but a culture of creativity that hosts the prophetic and that becomes a, um, a platform to display the heart and intentions of God from. To Rangiora, to Christchurch, to New Zealand and to the nations. That I believe that this place is called to be a place where, where, where the prophetic words and the promises of God are so fleshed out through so many different various creative outlets that when people come, you, there's nowhere you can go, there's nowhere that you look that you can't see the promises of God. That every part of your being comes alive to the promises of God because it's so thoroughly enfleshed, it's so thoroughly incarnated, it's so thoroughly expressed in the atmosphere of not just this church but this city. That when people come, they're like, man, every single aspect of my being is coming alive to a new thing as I walk into this place. Because the creativity of this people has so enfleshed and so incarnated the heart of God that you cannot miss it. You cannot miss it. It is unavoidable. When I step foot out of, Christ, out of the airplane onto Christchurch Airport, I just can't miss it. It's just so alive in the atmosphere because it has been taken from the invisible and it has been made flesh and invisible. How? Some people put their goggles on. Some people put their goggles on so that they could see the invisible, engage with it, and bring the invisible through the mechanism of their creative flow into the visible. So a few things I want to pray for. I want to pray for those of you who have believed the lie that you're not creative. And I believe that God wants to shatter that lie. And He wants to show you what your particular creative expression is. If that is you, I just want you to quickly stand up. Awesome. Awesome. Just put your hands on your heart right now. Let's close your eyes because I believe God wants to speak to you right now. In the name of Jesus, I break off the lie of I am not creative. And I declare, I decree, I prophesy the truth that you were created in the image of a creator and you are by, very, by your very nature creative. You are creative and there is a creative flow on the inside of you that is waiting to flow out. Some of you, it's already flowing, but some of you, it's there and it's undiscovered. And I pray over you a spirit of wisdom and revelation to actually be able to see what it is that is inside you that's waiting to get out. I pray that you would recognize it. I declare a spirit of honor over you to be able to see with honor and value the thing that's on the inside of you, that what is in you is valuable, what is in you is precious, what is in you is treasure, what is in you is missing on the table of the Lord until you put it on the table. I declare that if you don't put it on the table, and this is a challenge, I believe, is if, if you don't put it on the table, it's not on the table. And everybody misses out. But you have something to add to the table. You have something to add to the table in the name of Jesus. You guys just feel free to stay standing. 
The next group of people I want to quickly pray for are those of you, and creative expression goes far beyond the arts, but there are those of you who are involved in, passionate about, and have giftings in the arts, whether it's dance, whether it's drama, whether it's film or photography, whether it's painting, whether it's music. Um, if you're involved in one of the arts or you have a passion for the arts, and I just want you to stand up right now and I want to pray for you. And, um, and I believe that in, in this, there is a specific place for those who are engaged in the arts. Creativity is far beyond the arts, like I've just mentioned, but there is a specific place for the artists. And, and I believe that there's a forerunner space for the artists in this, in what I'm talking about this morning. And so I want to pray a few things over you. I want to declare um, right now over you, I want to declare just such an upgrade on the creative grace that God's already planted in your heart. I declare over you right now the light of the glory of God, the light of the face of God over your creativity. I declare over you right now where it's felt vulnerable, I declare courage. And I, and, I, and I hear the Lord say this, don't whisper it, roar it. Don't whisper it, roar it. Don't whisper it, roar it. You're not a mouse, you're a lion. 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 You're not, a quiet, you're not quiet, you're loud. Your creativity is born to be loud. You're not born to be quiet. And if it's quiet, it's a loud quiet, not a quiet quiet. <laughs> Which, that's a thing. I declare over you the roar of the lion on the inside of you. I declare a boldness of creativity coming from you. I declare, um, like, like my station friend, I declare the, the dancing on the tables and who cares about what people think. I declare your creativity. I declare the grace of your art is held in the arms of the Father. And I declare a security of knowing that you are held by Him that allows you to express with wild vibrance your creativity to the world. And I declare over you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I declare over you right now. And I just see this happening. I see the angelic just coming around and putting goggles on people's faces, putting goggles on people's hearts. And I, some of you, it's like, you know, I've, when I've dived in the past, sometimes my goggles cloud up and you have to come up and you have to kind of spit into your goggles and rub the spit around and then it clears up and you can see again. And I believe some of your goggles are kind of, uh, kind of clouded up. You've got them on, but they're clouded up. And I just see the Lord saying, pass those goggles to me. I'm just going to spit in them, rub the spit around. I'll just get it all cleared up for you. I know that's not the most COVID-19 um, sensitive thing to say, but I just, uh, <laughs> I just declare right now, clarity over your goggles in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In vision over your goggles in Jesus' name. Direction of your creativity in Jesus' name. And now, um, just as you guys are standing, you just stay standing. And I want to pray for one more group of people before I surrender this microphone. And that is, um, I want to pray for everybody. The next group is everybody. I want to pray for everybody who just says, yeah, I want to help. I want to be... I want to put my hand to the plow. I want to put my, I, I want to take a corner. I want to take some of the weight of this. And I want to actually help in this community by carrying this prophetic mantle with my creative input. That, that I want to recognize that I actually have something to give. I have something to offer. I have something to put on the table to help carry 
this prophetic mantle in the creative flow that God is intending it to be carried in. Now, I want to let you know, everybody in this room can say yes to this. You're invited into this. And if you want to respond to that invitation by saying, yep, I'm keen. I'm keen. Maybe you need to discover what that is, but hey, I'm keen. I'm keen to begin the journey. Let's do it. If you're keen for that, then I just want you to stand up. And this is what I want to pray for you. I want to pray over you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want to pray that those goggles just come right over you. I want to pray for your eyes that you would see super clearly. (laughs) Super clearly. I want to pray that you would experience that feeling of dullness lifting off you and color flooding into your soul. That your head would be lifted up by the Lord right now. And that you would see His face and feel the inspiration of the Spirit. Feel the inspiration of the Spirit. Right now, God, I declare and I prophesy and I pray. I release what you are releasing, God. I release right now that spirit of wisdom and revelation. I declare it would explode on the inside of people's hearts, on the inside of people's minds right now. I declare, God, your world opening up around people in people, through people, in the name of Jesus. I declare that you would show people how their creative flow can engage with what you're saying, can house and host and incarnate what you're saying, what your heart is beating for. I just declare, God, such an all-consuming beating of your heart in this community, a beat that would realign everything, a beat that would bring everything into the alignment of the rhythm of heaven a beat that would bring every creative discipline into alignment with the, with the rhythm of heaven. In Jesus' name, God, there is a oneness. There is a unity in the union that we experience with you. There is a unity in the communion. There is a unity in the communion in the name of Jesus. There is a table that God is inviting you to sit at. It's the communion table. And at the communion table, each person has a space of contribution. To, com- to contribute with creativity their life and their experience with God. You, I want you to know you, not just the person next to you, but you have a place in Jesus' name, a seat at the table. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.